listening to ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast with the biggest balls of all, with your hosts, Kurt Squires and Greg Ferguson. It's time to rock. Thank you for joining us for another trip to go beyond the thunder. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, alongside Greg Ferguson and Eric Keel, talking with extraordinary fans who've been influenced by ACDC. And we're almost certain that this episode will give you black sensations up and down your spine because we're talking with none other than Brent Hines, songwriter, vocalist, and lead guitarist for the multi-Grammy award-winning band Mastodon, who formed in Atlanta, Georgia, back in 2000. Brent was not only inspired to learn how to play guitar thanks to one Angus Young, but the last time we actually caught up with Brent, he showed us a freshly inked ACDC tattoo just to seal the deal proving his band loyalty. So without further ado, Brent, thanks for joining us here for an outdoor edition of ACDC Beyond the Thunder. Thanks for, uh, for thinking about me. Absolutely. Since we're here in the South, let's talk about life growing up near Birmingham, Alabama. With a banjo on your knee, I read where it was your dad who indoctrinated you into playing the banjo. That was the promise, right? First he'd teach you the banjo, then he'd allow you to pick up the guitar. Well, you know, and then after the banjo, it's like you have, you have to play acoustic guitar because you gotta learn these because it's just a, like, you know, I, as a father, I'm sure he bought me a million things that I was like, I wanted, and I just tossed them aside as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so he was like, I don't want this, I don't want to see this guitar in the closet next to the, next to whatever I bought, you know, like uh, in a, with a fire truck or whatever you don't play with, you know, like as a kid, I was like seven or something like that, you know, so. Sure. Finally, I was like, I promise I won't, you know, I finally gets, you know, it gives me a, it's a banjo, and I, I learned how to tinker around with it. I learned how to play Stairway to Heaven on it. Oh, cool. And like, you know, just real like elementary style, like bong, 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 ding, 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 ding. Totally the wrong way. I, I, I like pretty much stopped asking my dad after that point, and I just ask everybody at his office, do you have a guitar? Do you play guitar? Does anyone here play guitar? And finally, there's one guy in the, in the, in the, the maintenance part in the back, the shop, he, had, he, he played guitar, and he had a guitar. And he just gave, it just bothered him for like a year, and he finally uh, brought it to work. His name was BB too. He was he was a cool dude. He brought it to work and gave it to my dad. My dad gave it to me, and uh, learned. He was like, "You learn how to play that, and then you know we'll talk about getting you an electric guitar." You know what I mean? Nice. And uh, you know, like I just just was, I was fascinated with it as a kid. So you learned a little "Stairway to Heaven," a song that Mastodon would eventually go on to cover quite stunningly, which means you were listening to Zeppelin at a very early age. Now, I was also forbidden to listen to AC/DC and and Kiss and Black Sabbath because of the satanic note, uh, you know, connotation of it. Uh, Why? Because of the artwork? It's the artwork and the, and the lyrics and all the song titles and. And the satanic connotation. They... Right, plus you're in the Bible Belt, which was a little less forgiving when you're growing up in the 70s and 80s in rural Alabama, I'm sure. Yeah, oh yeah, man, my dad's really religious and so my, all my relatives are. And uh, so they were, you know, you can't, you can't listen to ACDC or Black Sabbath, you'll go to hell. Right. 
It's true. So I just sneak, and I got to get them, sneak them, you know. I somehow I got them. I acquired um, a cassette of, the uh, first thing I got by ACDC was Highway to Hell, a cassette. I was like 11 or something, and I was in, on vacation with my parents. Kind of like rode my bike off and then had some, saved up some $5 a week allowance and went and bought the cassette, Highway to Hell. And, uh, and I went by the pool at, at, in Destin at, at the Sea Breeze, or what was that place called? Yeah, something, some kind of like, you know, resort on the beach. And, uh, and I put the cassette in, the Panasonic Slimline, you know, the portable with the batteries, and I go to the pool. I think I'm like the coolest kid in the world. And I fucking go and like sit in this chair. It's like, you know, it's Florida. It's sunny as hell. I'm white as fuck, you know. I get, not a good idea. I go, just go there and lay in a chair, put the Panasonic Slimline like right on my chest and just lay back. You know, all the way back, no sun, no sunscreen or nothing. Oh man, that's a bad combo. And you're a redhead. That's like the early '80s. You know, if I hit play, just lay back and just listen to the whole entire side A, and then you know, just over, take it out, flip, play again. And then I just sat there for probably like an hour or something, you know. And then when I was done, <laughs> I pants on, swim off my chest, put it down beside me in my towel, and go jump in the pool and stuff. And then I, I make my way back to my um, cottage there with my folks, and they're like, what's up with this big, huge, white square on your chest? I was, I was so sunburned, my mom had to take care of me, you know? She was like, God, what, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I, why didn't this part get burned? I, I don't know. I, I love it. Your first ACDC baptism is not quite by fire, but by sunburn branded into your skin. Besides recovering from first-degree burns, how did listening to that cassette of ACDC's Highway to Hell first make you feel? Really alive and, you know, it was electrifying. Speaking of electrifying, uh, Mastodon has harnessed tremendous success over the years. You've had multiple albums ranked number one, played Letterman, Conan O'Brien, even appeared as extras in Game of Thrones, but my favorite was when your song Blood and Thunder was chosen as one of the most important recordings of the decade by National Public Radio. When I listen to Mastodon, I don't get a direct comparison to your influence of ACDC. However, your guitar playing, especially on tracks like The Czar off Crack the Sky, I can hear you directly channeling Angus Young himself. Would you say that he was your major musical influence? Yeah, I mean, Angus is one of the first guitar players that I was really, really influenced by, you know, because when I heard other guitar players at the same time, they were doing stuff that was, like, too complicated sounding. I was like, man, I don't like that. That sounds like garbage. I don't know, I like this guy doing this blues thing. So I was like, I first got in, like, when I first started actually learning how to play guitar, I was playing, like, you know, you know, like blues riffs and stuff, you know? They're easy. So it's a good way to start out for anyone. I'm sure Angus probably started out the same way, you know? I heard his brother was like really big influence on him. So in order to even listen to ACDC, you're literally sneaking off on your own, listening to your cassette player in solitude. I'm curious, what were you allowed to listen to? But my dad was really into blues, like super, super. He had like a 
really big record collection of just of Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and B.B. King and Wilson Pickett and Sam Cooke and like, I mean, yeah, just the list goes on and on and that's what he listened to all the time. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is about finding out how and why this band connects with so many different people on a global level and sharing stories with individuals like yourself who have parlayed this direct current given off by ACDC's music. Brent, what's your best explanation of how ACDC changes people's lives and influences so many of us in unique ways? ACDC is like, it's, it's like a religion, you know what I mean? Not even in any particular part of America or the world, really. It's just a religion period for, for rockers. And so is Thin Lizzy to me. It's like, a, it's like a religion, you know, the rocker, the rock and roll. It's the quintessential rock and roll band, you know? One of the more emotional aspects of ACDC's music affecting people's daily lives is from servicemen and women in the military. I'm sure Mastodon received the same kind of adulation, right? Dude, we get a lot of military, a lot of military telling us how Mastodon has helped them through the shit or whatever it is they're in, you know, like, and that's just fascinating to me that they're listening on their iPod when they're at war. That's what really, I'm like, you're, hold on a second. You're, how are you listening to Mastodon when you're fighting a war? It's like, we, we have iPods on our arm. And the thing, I'm like, what, do, you need to like have that out and be like, all right, cool, it's over here. And like, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't be listening to no music if I was trying to kill a bunch of <laughs> other soldiers. When talking about a band like Mastodon, I think about a critically acclaimed, concept-driven, progressive metal band who've achieved commercial success and critical success, not to mention Grammy Award winning, but a band that is always morphing, growing and challenging itself musically, which I know you're pretty proud of, but compared to ACDC's world, which veers not much further than sex, booze, and rock and roll, you two couldn't be more dissimilar. Tell us how a band like Mastodon rose out of the ashes from being influenced by such a narrowly focused band like ACDC. Well, we didn't, uh, we, we didn't have a, tra a traditional state of music when we started out. We were starting something new when we started out. No, one, no other band was writing stuff like us uh, on Crack the Sky. And now when ACDC started out, they were pretty much just, just going from their strict influences of Little Richard and, and Chuck Berry and stuff like that. And, and I don't think they really wanted much more. And they, they kind of broke out of their shell to me a little bit on Razor's Edge. It's kind of, kind of got a little progressive a little bit, you know what I mean? The more chord changes, songs were a little bit more difficult on guitar to play. As far as like, you know, the early stuff, I mean, it's 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 pretty straightforward, you know, rock and roll, and it's and you're right, it's not they're they're not so much different. Each album is, and then they don't have to be, you know, it, 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 they're not trying to do what we're trying to do. We're trying to create our own genre. They were just in a genre and and made the best of the genre, you know. And I thought ACDC were loud, but after hearing Mastodon without earplugs, it was torturous, man. Well, let me let me let me just say I know what that feels like from firsthand experience. It is torture because like sometimes our shows are so loud that it is torture. It's like, and I don't wear any ear protection. All the other guys do the inner monitor system. I just go up there with no condom on and just rock it, you know. Are you afraid of losing your hearing at an early age or do you even think about it? No, I do think about it, but I try not to because then I just get pissed off. You know, I'm like, fuck, I'm going deaf over this shit. What's it doing for me? You know, 
I know what it's doing to me, but I don't know what it's doing for me. And you get to share producer Brendan O'Brien back-to-back with ACDC. Once they finished with Black Ice in 2008, Mastodon followed up with Brendan to record Crack the Sky. Were you like a little kid asking Brendan questions about what it was like working with ACDC? Yeah, that was amazing. I was just like, you know, what's going on? Tell me everything, Brendan. Tell me everything, starting now, go. And, and did Brendan cough up any good behind the scenes anecdotes or advice he could share with you? Brendan, uh, he would just say, yeah, you know, you know, they just smoke a lot of cigarettes and like they, you know, they, 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 you can't understand anything they say when they talk and mumble a lot and, and they're really nice guys. That's pretty much the only thing he told me every time I asked, which was a lot. He was telling me some pretty interesting things, you know, like uh, <laughs> he was saying that um, they all went to the movies one night in Vancouver. They, they recorded in Vancouver. And he said that, I was like, well, what was that like? Because I mean, people must have been just shitting their pants. The ACDC was in line to go get popcorn at the movie theater. And he was like, no one believed that it was them. Like they were like, every once in a while someone was like, ah, that was, can't be, you know, it just can't be. I would be the same way. I was like, that's not Angus Young. He doesn't go to the movies. He can't leave his house. He's too famous, you know? He, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know where they live or, or what they do outside of being the best band in the world. Yeah, those guys have done a remarkable job at not buying into the fame game and seeking the limelight. So I think they have the ability to be able to blend into a crowd like that. So you take off the schoolboy suit and remove the English cap and avoid the talk shows and award shows and events and stick to what you love, right? Which is playing live music. Have you ever caught the band on tour? I've only seen them twice live. And now I saw them, uh, the Razor's Edge, Thunderstruck tour or whatever. Yep. The money fell. I was in 10th grade and I, and, I, and I ran into my substitute teacher, my English teacher there at the concert. And she's this beautiful like 23 year old substitute teacher. I'm like 14, I'm in the 10th grade. I end up making out with her. Oh, ACDC's playing. I'm just like, all over her boobs and like making out with her no. and it was just like oh man I was in heaven and I was I was the happiest kid in the world for those two those two hours I was at the concert and then the next day we come to class and I'm like hey how's it going she's like totally like no none of that oh my god Brent that's like a John Hughes movie and you we've made out at the I'm like oh, really you kidding me I, for some reason, I thought it was gonna go further than that. She was just drunk. She had like, she had like a cooler full of bullfrog. It was this drink called bullfrog. It was like lime juice and like tequila or some Never shit. Never heard of it. I just was dipping in it with her, and just she just started making out with me. I was, I was just, I still can't believe it. Look at my face. <laughs> you see, now that's the power of ACDC for you. The perfect aphrodisiac, even though that woman should have probably been arrested. What do you think Brendan O'Brien initially brought out of ACDC with Black Ice, knowing what he brought out of Mastodon working with him right afterwards? What are his strengths as a producer? Well, I know how, how pleasant he is to work with. So, um, and I don't know how, what the other people that ACDC was like to work with, but um, I'm sure that it, it, I had a great time working with Brendan and it was like, not like work, it was like, kind of going down the studio and, and, and kind of messing around, joking around, having fun, and then, you know, getting some work done. And uh, I know that he took, they took, took them a lot, him a lot longer to do the ACDC guys. I don't really know what they, what they would get out of it, but I do know what I got out of it as far as listening to Black Ice and uh, in difference to listening to the album, album before Black Ice. Stiff upper lip. Stiff upper lip, yeah. I, I just think that he brought them back, he just brought them back more to their roots 
like you know, like they were kind of getting, like you know, le levitating out of their 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 genre, and like and like he just made it sound raw again, basically. I I thought Angus's guitar tone is like you know, it's a it's amazing. Yeah, the guitar sound is amazing, and then with Brian Johnson. Brendan really worked with him to get a great vocal performance. And as Brian put it, sounded like he was 20 or 30 years younger. You know, when you sing the way Brian Johnson sings, you it's, you can't sing like that for, you know, like real long, like all day long, you know. But you do pretty well with that Brian Johnson gravelly voice, growl vocal style. That's got to be taxing. Well, Matt, yeah, I got a, a, a couple of different techniques of singing, but it, yeah, and I, and I know from firsthand experience that it that it's difficult to have longevity with that. You know, I mean, I've been at it for years, and but Brian's been at it way longer. But I went, I went and saw him play every, both times. I mean, his voice was amazing. It lasts the whole entire show, and it's just high and sh you know, it's, it's really, it's amazing. You know. Yeah. Let's focus on your press coverage, which has been exceptionally positive right out of the gate. And compared to a band like ACDC, it took nearly their entire career to be adored by the mainstream critics. Why do you think a band like Mastodon has always been a critical darling? Because our bass player is really handsome. <laughs> so that's what I think. That's what every time I say, you know, ask me something about that, it's because Troy's handsome. Oh, but Cliff Williams is equally the handsome one in the band, right? Cliff Williams is handsome. They're all handsome dudes, you know? Yeah. Plus, ACDC were never too keen to kowtow to the media either. Because they're from Australia and, and they were busy just not giving a shit about that stuff and, you know, and actually doing more of the 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 walk than the talk, you know? And yeah. uh, they, they probably could give a fuck less about doing interviews. I know if I was ACDC and someone wanted to interview me, I'd be like, I probably would say no, you know what I mean? Like, Have you ever had a chance to catch up with the members of ACDC to thank them for influencing your life in such a dramatic way? I tried to talk to Angus Young one time, and I was like, man, I was at this award show. I just walked over to him and I said, oh, man, I want to thank you for your uh, guitar playing because you've really, you've really influenced me as a guitar player, and you're the reason why I'm at this award show right now is because you like, inspired me to play guitar to the point to where I'm here at the award show sitting next to you. Wow. And he was like, quit pissing in my pocket. He told me to quit pissing in his pocket. <laughs> I was like, all right, man. Good, what? Nice to meet you. Whatever. Later. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Some Australian expression, you know? Like, they don't even say ACDC. It was like, akadaka. <laughs> That's right, actually. We interviewed the Wiggles a while back, and they referred to ACDC as Akadaka quite a bit, so you're right. Yeah, that's what a lot of Australians call. Australians have the, the best pissing in the pockets and all those sayings, you know, that you'll never hear unless you hang out with some Aussies. Right, well, I hope it was a compliment, but it sounds to me like it might have been more of a backhanded compliment coming from Angus. I, yeah, I, 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 was, I took it as a compliment. I was like, that's cool because I, was, I didn't even have my dick out yet, and I was just about to slip it in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I heard that uh, that's a Mastodon thing, right? Where one of the band members, John Thomas, might end up in somebody's pocket by the end of the night, correct? Yeah, Bill uh, put his dick in Lars's pocket the first time you ever met him. <laughs> Was he okay with that? Where did that happen? We were in Portugal and we just played our first show of Metallica and then like, and Lars is awesome by the way. He is, he's the perfect person if you don't know that. And I had done that, I started that back years ago. Like I would just walk up to somebody and, and like, of course, at the end of the night, like when, when the show's over and we're back at somebody's, back in the van days, we're riding, riding around in the van, we have to stay at someone's house or 
get a hotel room or sleep in the van, you know? Mm -hmm. And we would just get so flooded. That's another Aussie expression for super drunk. <laughs> you know, I'll just, there'd be somebody there and I would just like see how long it would take them to figure out that my dick is actually in their pocket while I'm standing there talking <laughs> to them like this, you know? Wait a minute, do I dare to look down? Is it in my pocket right now? It's not in there yet. But, uh, and then we're at Portugal and Bill just is like, um, I know something funny, you know, this is great, man. Brent, Brent, and like next thing you know, Bill's got his dick out and he's in Lars's pocket and Lars is like talking to this guy, like, yeah. And he's, he kind of had like big pockets, you know, like the pockets kind of a gape like that. And Bill just kind of slips it in there and he's like, hey, well, what was going on? And Bill's like, ah, it's so funny, like falls on the ground. Oh, it was hilarious. I mean, you know, but, uh, and, and, and Lars thought it was hilarious. So, you know, it could have, it could have like, <laughs> we just bad. started touring with them. And, and then later on that night, I was on the side of the stage moshing and then I got kicked off the side of the stage by their stage manager, and I was like, fuck you. And I was like, I was, I was cussing him out for kicking me off the side of the stage. And the next day he was like, look, man. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry about last night. He's like, don't worry about it. Every, you know, everybody's allowed one mistake, and you know, everybody fucks up. Don't ever do that again. And I was like, cool, you got it, I won't. These colorful stories, I suppose, is a good segue to talk about how the press like to take some of your wild rock and roll moments and twist them into making you out to be this maniacal metal monster. And, and ACDC do a pretty admirable job of avoiding the press for this reason. Has your experience with journalists changed now that you've become more and more famous? You know what? It's like journalists, they hang out with you and then they go and have drinks with you. And then you kind of look at them as, an, as, an, as, a, as your friend, you know, and like you can open up and talk to them. But, but then everything that they write, it, it's like, it's just like, it look at, it, it makes me look like I'm trying to be uh, derogatory, but I'm not. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just me. And that's the way I am. I just kid around a lot. And they gotta get their, they gotta get their story in there. And speaking of wild stories, over the years, you've been in the press for everything from drunken fights leading to brain hemorrhaging comas hit-and-run crashes to acid trips. With all of your wild episodes, do you ever worry that you might push the party envelope to excess like Bon Scott did? Oh man, I can't even tell you how many times I've been in my bunk on the tour bus, totally asleep, and like thought I had to burp, and like, and had to just, just dart out of the, just like literally fly out of the bunk and, and go run to the bathroom and throw up everywhere. You know what I mean? Just because you're just laying there, you're all, passed out and wasted or whatever. And That's like, not good. And like it's throw up literally comes up. So I could see how that could happen. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. every time it's ever happened to me, I, my body was like, Brent, you're gonna die like Bon Scott right now. Get up and go puke, you know? I don't, I don't. So yeah, it's scary, it's scary stuff. You know what I mean? Is it the Jack Daniels? I try to keep the whiskey at bay nowadays. I try to, Yeah. but I mean, you know. It's tough. And I gotta I gotta back off the beer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn into a ball. <laughs> You know, so I don't know what to do. I'm gonna start drinking Bacardi and Diet Coke, but I feel like such a such a sissy order and that stuff. Hey, Bacardi and Diet Coke, please, with a lime. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let me try to go to the Diet Coke, but uh, he he couldn't do it either. When you're going through these points in your life, Brent, does the music of ACDC get you through these times? Like for me, when things get a bit stressful, ACDC calms the nerves sometimes even more effectively than a shot of whiskey. How does their music come to the rescue for you? I don't really rely on music to get me through tough times, to be honest with you, you know what I mean? ACDC is like, you know, that music, that's party music. I don't see any uplift, well, it's all uplifting. If I need to get through something with a tough time, I'll play music myself and I'll write music. Uh, that, that, 
more gets me through that instead of like some other band or song or something like that. Sure, absolutely. Picking up a guitar or hitting the drum is so therapeutic that you can actually get lost or even be driven to write some incredible music. Um, you mentioned that ACDC is like a religion, which I love. If you are making that comparison, then how did they become one of the most worshipped bands on the planet? And how does a band like ACDC stay together for so long? It's, it's just not that easy. I think because they wrote really good songs, and the songs are timeless and classic, and, and, they can, and everyone can snap their fingers and tap their toe to it, you know? It's like... Yeah, totally. That's what I think. I mean... I don't think it's because uh, I don't. I don't think it's because they, they they don't can't get along anymore as a band, which most of them are like that. You know, once you become that successful, but I don't know what, what how they've transcended and become more than people. You know, they're like rock gods. You know, that's cool. I mean, rock gods are cool, aren't they? That they are. And rock gods can also sell a lot of merch. Are you one of those guys like myself who purchased just about anything with an ACDC logo on it? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I got ACDC underwear, ACDC socks. I mean, you know what I mean? Nice. Like, I bought a pair of ACDC socks the other day at H&M. <laughs> I'm just like, there you go. That'll be $9. Okay. Yeah, right. And it makes me wonder if ACDC had a terrible logo if fans or even Fairweather fans would still scoff up items like action figures and lighters and wrapping paper and onesies. It's because the band is the, the quintessential rock and roll band of our life as we know it, you know? I mean, look at what it did to you. It made you want to make a movie out of it, you know what sure, I mean? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you got a pair of high voltage underwear laying around somewhere, don't you? <laughs> I'm actually wearing them right now. Shit's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's hard not to have an ACDC pair of boxers nowadays. Being a, you know, you're in a band, like some, somebody somewhere is going to give you a gift at Christmas. It's going to be an ACDC pair of boxer shorts or, a, you know, yeah, onesies. We have all that stuff too, though. We got onesies and we don't have socks, but we got, we've definitely done the underwear thing. Oh, I need some Mastodon underwear. Is there any end to what you or a band like ACDC slaps their logo on, or do you care? It's just marketing in general, man, you know? I mean, that's how, that's, that's, that's the other way that they transcend, is they market and they, and the money helps them transcend. You know what I mean? It's it's you got to be, you know, marketing smart. Uh, so that that's part of the music's one thing, but marketing is definitely a a big part of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Brent, you said that Angus Young is your all-time favorite guitar player who influenced you to play guitar. Do you have an all-time favorite ACDC track that you go to time and time again? What's Next to the Moon on Power is my favorite ACDC song. Oh man, such a great unsung tune. I, I was lucky enough to see them play that, the special show in New York City following their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. It was so stellar to hear them play that. I love that song. What's Next to the Moon, such a fan favorite. I believe Scott Ian told us that that was his favorite song as well. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Actually, actually, I'm going to retract that. I, I believe it was Down Payment Blues off the same record. Down Payment Blues. <laughs> that was great. Would you ever cover an ACDC song, or is that not a Mastodon thing to do? It's not a Mastodon thing. In order for Mastodon to cover a song, it has to have a crazy drummer in the band. 
That's what we do Orion by Metallica. We do The Bit by the Melvins. We do Emerald by Thin Lizzy cool. and a couple of Ramon songs. And But like, yeah, it has to have like crazy drumming going on because Braun, you know, he just, he, he just, otherwise he's not. I don't think he wants to do that, but but uh, yeah, Bron's got more of the wildness of Keith Moon, but the discipline of Neil Peart, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Brent, so much fun having you be a part of our ever-growing ACDC Beyond the Thunder roster and share your unique perspective on how this band has influenced your life. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Absolutely. So here's your final question of the day, which is in line with how ACDC keeps things simple. Can you simplify ACDC by defining our favorite band in just one word? I'd say dynamite, because that's more like TNT. How many people said that? No one said that. Well, they should have. It's actually brilliant, bordering on perfect. And JJ said it all the time on Good Times. Dynamite! ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast, all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shazbot. Nanu Nanu.